Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and take you step by step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the My Little Eater podcast. I have the best episode coming out for you. So this episode is going to be all about the best fish for your baby, um, the worst fish for your baby. Basically, it's going to be the ultimate guide for serving fish to your baby. And this can be extrapolated to toddlers as well um, to an extent. So we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit as we go through everything. But basically, I really wanted to cover this topic because I have seen so many things floating around, especially lately on the internet in terms of the best and worst fish uh, for your baby. And there is definitely a lot to know about this topic. I do think it's important we're educated on it. I actually think it's not spoken about enough, mostly because it's not really in the guidelines of some of those major regulatory bodies. You know, it's not brought up often, or if it is, it's kind of vague information. But when you really dig into all the info, you're going to see that there is so much to know and you're going to be happy that you learned it here today. So I am um, definitely seeing online right now uh, any information that's out there. I'm kind of feeling like it's really, really black and white. So either this fish is good to offer and you can offer it frequently or just completely avoid it. You know, it's like there's no in between. And I don't believe it needs to be as restrictive as that. There are so many types of fish out there that are delicious and nutritious and accessible to us in different extents, or two different extents, I should say, that, you know, limiting it to a few types of fish that we can offer our baby really makes things stressful on us parents. And it really doesn't show us the whole picture of how varied a baby's diet can be. Now, it's not easy, I know, navigating the world of fish when there are so many subtypes of fish out there. It can get really confusing. So we typically see, you know, many details around the name of a fish. So for example, salmon, you know, there's farmed and then there's wild salmon. And then we also see, you know, um, names around where that salmon's from. So like Pacific salmon or Atlantic salmon. You've got pink eye salmon and sockeye salmon. And then you can have a combination of each of those together. And that's just for salmon. So with bass, with trout, with so many other fish, there are so many different subtypes. So it's important that we actually look at the different subtypes because different ones are going to have different recommendations. Some of them will be recommended for babies while others will not be. And I think that things can get scary when we talk about it like that. So I I just want to educate you through this episode on those nitty gritty details around what makes fish either good or, you know, quote unquote bad and how and what frequency we should be offering it to our babies in ways that are safe without overthinking it. So for the purpose of this episode, I want to first clarify that when I talk about fish, what I really mean is all seafood. So this is going to include shellfish. So for example, crustaceans such as shrimp, crab, and lobster. And it's also going to include mollusks such as clams, mussels, oysters, scallops, and octopus. So 
let's dive in and start off with the fact that fish is a wonderful food for your baby. First off, it is high in protein, which of course everybody needs in their diet, including babies. Um, When it comes to balancing toddler meals, I'm always saying have a protein source at every single meal. With babies, I like to focus it more on iron, and actually fish is an amazing source of iron. So we want to include a high iron source at every single meal for babies whenever possible. It's a very, very important nutrient for babies because their need for iron, basically their iron requirements are very, very high. They are higher than an adult males at this time, you know, up to one year of age. So that is a big focus. And fish is specifically a source of heme iron, which is a more readily absorbed form of iron in the body. And so it's particularly helpful for babies to reach the requirement of that 11 milligrams of iron uh, per day. The other thing that it's amazing for is that it's high in B12, vitamin B12. So that's important for healthy red blood cell production and brain development. And we also know that certain fish are very high in DHA. So I'm going to go through which fish are higher in DHA later on in this episode. But I do want to say that DHA, basically what it is, it's an omega-3 fatty acids. It's it's a certain type of omega-3 fatty acid. And this fatty acid is extremely important for babies whose brain and neural system is rapidly growing and developing up until the point of three years of age. And DHA is basically a building block for the brain. And fish is the only food out there with concentrations of DHA in enough quantity that give us what we need. So it actually plays a really important and critical role in the health of babies. The other thing that fish is really great for is that it's high in vitamin D. It's found specifically in fatty fish. So those are the same ones actually that you're going to see are high in DHA. Um, So that is something that we really want to also be able to get through our diet in addition to a supplement. Of course, everybody really needs a vitamin D supplement, but getting it in through our diet, through fish, through dairy products naturally is going to be a really good benefit as well. Fish is also high in calcium, believe it or not, as well, specifically when the bones are consumed, which even for babies is very possible. So the bones in canned salmon, for example, are really soft, and they can be lightly smashed with your finger or mashed with a fork and then offered for a big nutritional benefit. So don't be afraid of those little tiny soft bones that are in canned salmon, for example. Those are going to be really beneficial for your baby. Also, what I love about fish is it adds a significant variety in taste and smell and texture for babies to learn about. So as you may know, if you've heard me talk about feeding babies before, you know I've probably said a million times that we want to expose our babies to as many flavors and textures as possible. And early introduction of fish broadens babies' willingness to accept it and other seafood down the road. So it's really, really uh, an important flavor, an important food to incorporate early on so that they have that variety. It's also really convenient to cook. I mean, I think it's probably the easiest thing for me. If I know I'm making fish for dinner, I find that I am not dreading it in the slightest because it's so fast and easy to prepare. Most fish cooks in as little as 15 to 20 minutes. You know, you could just bake it with a little bit of prep, barely any prep even. You don't even need many seasonings on it to make it taste good. So I love it for that, especially when you're a busy mom or busy dad and you've got a young baby at home. It is a lifesaver. And then finally, fish is an allergenic food. So it's it falls into that category of highly allergenic foods, which 
neither is like an inherently good or bad thing. It's just important to note that it should be introduced early and often so that your baby's exposed to it, which will reduce the chances of developing an allergy later on to it. And FYI, a fish allergy is different from a shellfish allergy. So finned fish is one thing, and then you have shellfish, which needs to be introduced separately to clear out any risk of developing an allergic reaction. Okay, so now we've gone through all the amazing benefits of fish. However, not all fish are created equal and there are some downsides to eating a lot of fish. So let's go through the first and main concern and that is that certain fish are high in mercury. So mercury or specifically methylmercury, that is the organic mercury that we are more concerned about, is a heavy metal that can build up in fish meat and in fish organs. So it's present in larger quantities in larger fish. So since these larger fish can eat other fish, that allows them to accumulate the mercury of the smaller fish that they eat in their tissues. It's also present in higher levels in older fish since these fish accumulate more mercury over time, basically just because they've been around for longer. However, mercury is technically found in all types of fish to some extent since it's released into the air and then settles into the water. Now, children specifically are very vulnerable to the effects of methylmercury, and they can be exposed to it directly by eating contaminated fish, but also we know that the developing fetus, so a baby obviously still in the womb, is going to be even more sensitive to that. And so mothers who are consuming um, you know, high amounts of fish that are containing mercury or even small amounts of certain fish that contain lots of mercury you can see developmental problems happening there. So uh, neurological symptoms usually include things like intellectual disabilities, seizures, vision and hearing loss, delayed development, language disorders, and memory loss. Okay, so definitely something we want to avoid. Now, other contaminants can be found in fish as well. Things like arsenic um, could also be an issue, but it highly depends on what lake or river or ocean the fish is from. And there's usually going to be environmental reports and advisories around certain sized fish coming from certain areas in those cases. So they're very specific to different local areas. There are other fish that are going to be higher in salt than others. Now, guidelines currently state that babies should have around 400 milligrams of sodium per day. But you may not need to worry as much about salt intake as we've been made to think we should in the past. Um, If you listen to the podcast episode that I did with Lily Nichols, this is one that I'm going to link in the show notes for you. And I 100% recommend you all listen to it. It is so good and very, very eye-opening because you're going to hear why the fuss around salt for babies is actually not even rooted in any solid evidence. So of course, be aware of how much salt your baby's getting from processed foods, but you know, naturally occurring salt in certain fish isn't going to be as much of a concern in the grand scheme of things, and especially not in comparison to the health benefits that it may bring. And then finally, the last thing I want to mention about the downside of certain fish is that they can have high levels of antibiotics, particularly farmed fish, which leads me to the topic of farmed versus wild caught fish. So let's just review a definition of each. So wild fish is caught in natural environments, such as the ocean, rivers, lakes, that kind of thing. So they live free. um, They can do simply whatever fish do to thrive and live. And then there's farmed fish, on the other hand, which are raised by fish farms in a controlled environment. So their homes are man-made tanks or their pens um, that are basically placed in large bodies of water, such as oceans or lakes and rivers. And they're closely monitored in order to 
produce, you know, as many fish as possible in order to keep them alive and keep them healthy. And the quality control differs from one fish farm to the next. It really is dependent on the specific fish farm. Now, because they're being produced in large quantities and they live in more confined areas, farm-raised fish can be more prone to disease and illness. So this means that they're often pumped with antibiotics and medications, which unfortunately are passed along to consumers as well, to us who eat it. Not to mention other contaminants that could also be present, things like pesticides and PCBs. However, mercury levels, on the other hand, may be higher in wild-caught fish, although I will say that both types of fish can contain mercury because our waters are what's being polluted. So it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, they're naturally roaming around or whether they're confined to a specific space. It's the water specifically that is causing these high mercury levels um, to happen in fish. So that is basically something we we want to be careful of no matter what type wild or farm-raised fish that we're eating. Now, fish in their natural habitat, so the wild-caught fish, they tend to consume a more varied and higher quality diet than fish that are raised in a fish farm and are fed a controlled diet. So because of this, wild fish, generally speaking, has less saturated fat than farm-raised fish, but farm-raised fish may have a higher level of omega-3. So remember, omega-3s are very, very important, specifically that DHA, omega-3 fatty acid for babies. And this is really just because they get fortified feed, right? So some of the feed that's given to farm fish is going to be better than others, of course, though generally speaking, it's often made with fish meal, soy, and or corn or wheat or some other binding agent as well. So it really is going to vary in terms of, again, where you're getting your fish, looking into the fish farm that you're purchasing it from and and determining what their practices are and how good they are. Now, farm-raised fish are also more readily available and they're less expensive than wild-caught fish. And so this then leads me to the issue of sustainability. Wild fish may be overfished or caught using methods that, you know, damage the natural habitat and they put other fish in danger. And fish that are farm-raised can actually harm natural habitats and other breeds of fish through pollution of local waters as, you know, they can introduce disease and pests to wild populations and also can escape the pens and breed with wild fish. So really at the end of the day, it really, again, all depends on the fishermen or the fishery that you're buying from. So ask questions to make sure who you're purchasing from, you know, making sure they're practicing sustainable farm fishing methods or raising fish in ways that are kind to the environment. Um, I actually recommend going to seachoice.org, which is run by five conservation groups. Um, this is a Canadian website, and you can see there their recommendations for the most sustainable fish types. So they kind of have a green, yellow, and red like a traffic label system to help guide us to the best choices based on factors that are weighed out such as waste pollution and habitat and antibiotic use and fish feed and you know how many escapes they have and parasite risks things like that so that's definitely a place to go especially if you're looking um, to see what is the best fish in terms of sustainability now I want to get into really quickly the benefits of fresh versus frozen versus canned or just kind of discuss really quick if there is an even a benefit of one over the other. The thing is really the long and short of it is no. All versions, whether they're canned, whether they're frozen, whether they're fresh, they're all going to be good to offer. For you, for your baby, it doesn't really matter. They're all going to have the same health benefits overall. Now the only exception, and it's a very important one, is 
fresh or frozen tuna, we really want to avoid this at all costs. So these are going to be higher in mercury levels. I'm going to talk about that in just a second here. But basically, you only want to offer a specific type of canned tuna, and that's going to be canned light tuna. And that's definitely like I said, the only one you ever want to offer to your baby. So avoid the fresh or frozen tuna um, or even specific types of canned tuna, which again, we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, in terms of canned products in general, always try and purchase canned products with a BPA-free lining. Um, and when you're looking for, you know, what is it canned in? What's it stored in? Try and avoid ones that are in sauces. It's not the end of the world, especially if it's not spicy, but generally speaking, there could be some, you know, added preservatives and things like like that in there um, that you don't really need. But um, what you could do is either go for ones that are canned in water or canned in oil. That would be totally fine. And look for no sodium added or low sodium versions if possible. If you are getting any versions with some sodium in it, then make sure to rinse that fish in water thoroughly before offering it to your baby. Okay, so now we're going to go into the recommended guidelines for fish for babies. Now, this is where it gets really, really interesting. So here we are. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends serving one ounce of low mercury fish. This is what they classify as a low mercury fish once or twice per week to toddlers. They basically are following the FDA and EPA guidelines, which state that um, the best low mercury options are anything that are under 0.15 parts per million of methylmercury. And then good options are anything that falls under 0.46 parts per million of methylmercury. However, there are no recommendations from the AAP, from the American Academy of Pediatrics, for how much babies should get per se. So their guidelines really are for toddlers, for children one year and up. Now, Health Canada, on the other hand, does address this for babies. According to them, they say that there is no limit to the amount of most retail fish in Canada, with the exception of placing a limit on the amount of higher mercury fish that they should consume. So retail fish, aka low mercury fish, according to Health Canada, is approved if it's been deemed to contain no more than 0.5 parts per million of total mercury, which is very similar to the AAP guidelines, which was 0.46 parts per million. Um, and this includes all canned tuna, except for fresh or frozen tuna. Um, they also exclude shark, swordfish, escalar, marlin, and orange ruffy. These are all considered the higher mercury fish. Now, all canned tuna, including albacore tuna, is typically below the Canadian standard of 0.5 parts per million of total mercury. However, because canned albacore or white tuna is so popular, it may be chosen more often than other types of fish. And so for this reason, there's a separate advisory that exists for this, even though it falls under the low mercury category. So in Canada, this advisory basically says that babies should get no more than 40 grams or 1.4 ounces per week of canned albacore tuna, and they should get less than 1.4 ounces or 40 grams per month of any very high mercury fish. Like I said, the shark, the orange ruffy, the escalar, the swordfish, the marlin. So those are, you know, very, very high mercury fish, but they're saying that they can get it about once per month. Now, according to Health Canada, the same concerns don't exist for canned light tuna because the type of fish that's used for this are younger and smaller and therefore, you know, lower in mercury. So usually they use skipjack, maybe tongle tuna, and those are all much lower in mercury than the larger tuna fish that are sold as fresh or frozen products or also um, much lower in mercury than canned albacore tuna. Now, here is the thing. 
Health Canada's reasoning for this is that it's considered unlikely that an infant could consume enough fish to be exposed to an unacceptable amount of mercury. However, thanks to baby-led feeding, which I teach, and the stressed importance of offering textured foods in as much variety and flavor as possible before nine months of age, coupled with the fact that we now know to introduce highly allergenic foods to our baby as close to six months of age as possible and to offer it often, babies definitely do have the capability of consuming significant amounts of fish and therefore mercury. Many babies eat more than the average toddler, and with all the education we have as parents on how to build a baby's eating skills so that they're eating a significant amount of calories from food, this means that we can't really count on the fact that babies are only getting a touch of fish, you know, in insignificant amounts or that, you know, we're going to go off of this assumption that it's considered unlikely that they would get enough fish to be exposed to an unacceptable amount of mercury. We don't really want to risk that. Now, in 2004, the Joint FAO slash WHO Expert Committee on Food Additives established a tolerable intake level of 1.6 micrograms per kilogram of body weight per week for methylmercury for fetuses. So basically, that is the amount that we consider it um, safe for them to have, up to that amount. And they extrapolated this number to children under 17 years of age. Now, what this means is that a nine-month-old baby that weighs 19 pounds would reach their weekly maximum amount of methylmercury from getting 13.78 micrograms of mercury, which is basically the amount that's found in 48 ounces of salmon per week, which is pretty safe to say that it's impossible for a baby to eat that much. So that's, you know, very unlikely. Um, They'd also reach it if they ate 1.9 ounces of halibut. So that would be about four pinky length pieces of fish per week. And they would also reach it if they ate 1.2 ounces of fresh tuna or 0.5 ounces of shark, aka a bite or two per week. So you can see, I mean, based on these amounts, there are some types of fish that you should literally never offer to your baby. Like we just said, the fresh tuna or, you know, the shark, where even just a bite or two per week could put them at that max limit. Um, But there are other ones that are totally fine, you know, to offer in virtually unlimited amounts. Like we just saw, the the salmon would be totally fine. So that would be in line with Health Canada guidelines. However, there are a lot of in-between fish types that Health Canada doesn't really distinguish between that could be potentially dangerous if your baby has a big appetite or if you offer it too frequently. So for baby like I said, we want to be extra safe. There are enough ultra-low mercury fish out there that we don't need to risk possibly dangerous levels of mercury by offering moderately high or higher mercury fish. So this brings me to My Little Eater's guidelines for fish intake for your baby. So let's just start with portion sizes for babies. As mentioned earlier, regulatory bodies like, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics indicate that babies should have two times one ounce portions of fish per week. Now, here's why I don't love this. If your baby is hungry, then the baby-led feeding philosophy that I live and breathe by says to offer your baby more food. You know, we provide food for them that we've determined to be acceptable at mealtime, and then we let our babies choose if and how much they want to eat. Now, that could be a little bit, you know, and it may fall within that one to two ounces per week that they recommend, or that could be a lot. I mean, I've seen babies eat three to four ounces of fish in one sitting. So by giving them a little bit and then taking it away from them, kind of restricting them, even after they've indicated that they want more, what's happening is we're starting to influence their eating and teaching them that they can't be trusted to choose what to eat and they can't eat to the point of fullness and that kind of thing. So that's something that I generally want to avoid. 
But here's the other thing. I don't want to be worried, and I'm sure none of you parents out there want to be worried about measuring out one ounce servings of fish and then, you know, being concerned about it when they smush it up in their little hands and they spread it all over their high chair tray or their mouth and they only get, you know, select amounts in their mouth. And you're stuck thinking like, did they eat that full ounce? Was that more like half of an ounce? Was it a third of an ounce? Did they swallow it all? And, you know, being concerned that if you offer them one more piece, it may put them over the limit. So I don't want to do that. I bet you don't want to either. No one wants to be, you know, in that state of stress or worry or restricting their baby or anything like that. So if we're really going to be giving fish to our baby without limit at each meal, which is really what I support and what I um, would prefer everyone to do, again, for all the reasons I just listed, then what we need to do is we need to really be strict with the criteria for what type of fish they get and making sure it's ultra low in mercury. So my criteria for ultra low mercury fish is going to be for those fish that fall within 0.06 parts per million of methylmercury or less. This is going to ensure that you can offer these types of fish twice per week and have them show up fairly frequently on your menu and that your baby can eat a large amount of it without there being any concern. Now, anything between 0.07 and 0.15 parts per million is also fine, but offer it less frequently, more on a bi-weekly basis. So we're going to call this the low mercury category. Again, allow your baby to eat to the point of fullness. And then I have another category. Anything between 0.16 and 0.25 parts per million is going to fall under the moderately high mercury category for babies, and these should be consumed on a monthly basis. And then finally, if it falls between 0.25 and 0.45 parts per million, it's considered very high in mercury for babies and should be completely avoided for them. So remember that there's a lot of retail fish, a lot of fish uh, basically in Canada and the U.S. that fall within this range that the major regulatory bodies say is okay to eat, according to Health Canada's guideline, in unlimited amounts. But remember, for babies, we're looking at them with, through a different lens. We're specifying it according to how small their body weight is. So there is going to be some fish on here that you want to avoid for babies that you don't necessarily have to completely avoid after one year of age or for adults. Now, both the American Academy of Pediatrics and Health Canada also fail to clarify that these fish types should ideally be fatty fish, especially for babies, if we're going to ensure that they're getting enough DHA in. So babies between 7 and 12 months of age need 10 to 12 milligrams of DHA per kilogram of body weight. That means that My Little Eater endorses the consumption of 2 times 1 ounce servings of ultra-low mercury fish that are also DHA-rich per week. So to summarize, MLE, My Little Eater's recommended fish guidelines for babies are offer ultra low mercury fish weekly, aiming for at least one to two ounce servings of DHA rich options per week, offer low mercury fish once every two weeks, offer moderately high mercury fish once every month, and avoid high mercury fish for babies altogether. Okay, so now we're going to go into MLE's fish picks for babies. Basically, what fish falls within each of these categories, the ultra low, the low mercury fish, the moderately high mercury fish, and then the high mercury fish. So we're going to start off by talking about the best fish for baby in terms of them falling within the ultra low mercury category. And also, um, I'm going to go through and talk about which ones of those are high in DHA that you want to serve often, and, you know, at least twice per week kind of thing or two servings per week. So the first one is going to be salmon. Um, this is going to be whether it's Atlantic farmed or fresh or canned or 
Pacific Wild, it doesn't really matter. All salmon is going to be in that ultra low mercury category, which is amazing because it's also high in DHA. So you can feel totally fine about offering salmon, you know, a couple times per week, letting your baby eat to the point of fullness and not worrying at all about, um, you know, overdoing it on mercury levels. The other ones that fall within this category that are also going to be high in DHA are sardines, Arctic char, Atlantic mackerel, American shad, anchovies, and oysters. So those are all going to be high in DHA, but there's still more that fall within just the general ultra low mercury fish category that you can offer to your baby um, still as many times as you want per week. And that includes pollock, specifically Boston bluefish, tilapia, crawfish, mullet, catfish, whiting, clam, crab, scallops, cod, sole, flounder, haddock, shrimp, squid, butterfish, mullet, and branzino that's farmed, and this is just a type of sea bass. Okay, so I am going to have, by the way, a free download where I'm going to be listing so much more fish as we continue through the rest of this episode. So you're going to have a hard time remembering. So I've created a free download that lists out all of my recommended fish, everything that falls within the ultra low, the low, the moderately high, and then the high mercury category. So go ahead, click on the link in the show notes and download that freebie because I promise you that's exactly what you need. Put it, post it on your fridge and then always refer to that when you're buying groceries or you're thinking about serving fish to your baby so you can really, really make sure that you're kind of um, sticking within the right subtypes of every fish and just getting the whole list of fish that fall within each category um, for safe fish to serve to your baby. Okay, now let's go to the fish that you want to offer no more than once every two weeks. This is going to be the low mercury category. So this includes um, farmed freshwater rainbow trout, steelhead trout, black sea bass, striped bass, herring, Pacific chub mackerel, and whitefish. Those are all going to be the high DHA foods that fall within this um, low mercury category. I want to make a quick mention about herring. If you are buying canned herring, it's very, very salty. So just rinse it well underwater again to remove any excess salt before serving it to your baby. Um, If you can get your hands on fresh, amazing, but it's very, very rare, very hard to get that. Also, canned light tuna falls within this category. Smelt, skate, perch, pickerel, Atlantic croaker, lobster, hake, buffalo fish, carp, sheep's head, and tilefish that is not from the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, now a special note is required for canned light tuna that I want to talk about really quick due to all the controversy out there in internet land about it. If you heard that you need to avoid this type of tuna for babies, like just completely black and white, avoid it, it's simply not true. Yes, it has some mercury, but again, it's still falling within My Little Eater's low mercury criteria. So it actually has 0.13 parts per million of methyl mercury. That's under the 0.5 parts per million. And this means that baby would have to eat 3.73 ounces of it per week before reaching max limit. So if it's offered once every two weeks, your baby can actually eat as much as almost eight ounces of it in one sitting, which is very, very unlikely. So that's why, you know, it's in that low mercury category. You can offer it to your baby. Don't offer it super frequently, but once every two weeks, totally fine. 
Now, there is some variance amongst one tuna over the other sometimes between brands when testing is conducted. So if you're ever concerned even slightly about it, consider purchasing your tuna from Safe Catch. This is a company that tests every single tuna that they use in their canned products, and they have um, mercury li- limits that are 10 times stricter than the FDA. So basically, they only can fish that are no more than 0.1 parts per million for their elite products. And the same thing goes for their sardines and salmon products as well. This is totally unsponsored, but I think it will be helpful for those who maybe are eating it a little bit more frequently or who are concerned about variance in methylmercury levels from one brand of tuna or one specific tuna to another. So basically in a nutshell, don't worry about canned light tuna. It's cheap, it's convenient, it's delicious. It's a nutritious option for your baby if you're offering it once every couple weeks. Okay, now I'm going to talk about the fish category that falls under that moderately high level of methylmercury. Um, This category is the fish that you want to offer no more than once every month to your baby. It's a shorter list, and so basically it consists of halibut, mahi-mahi, grouper, monkfish, rockfish, snapper, and weakfish or sea trout. And then finally, the fish that you want to avoid completely for your baby um, are definitely going to be the big ones that every major organization lists, which is going to be king mackerel, marlin, orange ruffy, shark, swordfish, tilefish from the Gulf of Mexico, and big eye tuna. But also, specifically for babies, I've also added to the list bluefish, Chilean sea bass or Patagonian toothfish, sablefish, Spanish mackerel, tuna like albacore tuna or white tuna that's fresh or frozen or canned also yellowfin tuna and white croaker or pacific croaker so again for babies the mercury levels just above the amount that i feel comfortable recommending to any of my clients especially because we don't want to just offer them a couple bites and then have to restrict it for the rest of their meal so just do not even offer it Um, there is unfortunately not enough data according to the fda to determine whether mussels fit into any of these guidelines so i would just exercise caution and avoid them until about one year of age So remember, I do have a free download that lists all of this out, lists the criteria, MLE's criteria for how I develop these specific categories for how frequently to offer different types of fish and based on the mercury levels. um, I've also listed out every single fish that falls within each of these categories. So head to the show notes, download that freebie. And I hope that this really was a thorough explanation of all the factors that you need to look into when feeding fish to your baby um, and shellfish as well, of course, and also gives you a more clear guideline around how often to offer them and which ones to offer because I don't want you feeling scared and I don't want you only sticking to one type of fish when there are so many amazing types of fish out there that your baby can actually eat. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, please leave me a review, subscribe, let me know what you guys think. That would mean the world to me. I read every single review and it definitely helps to get this podcast out to other parents just like you. So thanks very much and I will talk to you next week. Bye.